Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So you spend your days buzzing around the world of data science. What do you have for us this week? <laughs> uh, we have an episode today on learned index structures. So how can you use a machine learning algorithm as a data structure? Uh, and in particular, I think you're setting me up for a pun about bee trees. I am. Yes, I, I am. Um, and I assume this is bee like the insect. Uh, it maybe is you can... not. No. But... <laughs> okay, well, anyway, um, silly jokes aside, let's, uh, let's dive into it. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So, Katie, this is not B as in buzzing B. This is B as in ABC bee tree. Uh, that's right. And this is a common kind of data structure that you might learn about in an intro level CS class if you've taken one of those recently, or if you're, you know, studying for a programming interview, it's kind of that sort of level thing. Um, and let me step back here for a moment, because we're not just going to be talking about bee trees. This is actually going to be a two-parter episode, because there are a couple different data structures that we're going to talk about here, and bee trees just happen to be the first one. Um, but this isn't an episode about data structures. It's an episode about machine learning. And in particular, there's a really interesting paper that came out of Google uh, fairly recently as we're recording this. And the thesis of the paper is, hey, there are these data structures in computer science that we've known about for almost as long as computer science has existed. And uh, is there a way that we can recreate those types of data structures with machine learning models, in particular neural nets, uh, in a way that might have better attributes than the, than the pure data structures themselves? So that's the general tie-in here. And the question is, like, what do we mean by that? And how could you use a, a neural network as a data structure? Yeah, that, that does seem very unintuitive to me. Like, I, I don't really... I, I would never think to apply neural nets in this way because at least the way I think about it a data structure is simply just a structured way of storing data it's uh, or, or another word you might use is a schema or something like that uh, for more complex data types or just a list of numbers for example you could have an array of, of uh, integers or something like that and that's what I would think of when I think of data structure but I don't really see how neural nets could apply here uh, sure. Well, so I think let's just start with a bee tree and get get into it. And then in the next episode, we'll talk about uh, hash maps and bloom filters. But for today, let's talk about a bee tree. So let's take the simple case that you pointed out of you have a sorted list of integers uh, and you want to somehow structure that information in a way that in particular with a bee tree, one of the things that it's uh, particularly good for is you want to retrieve items from that list quickly. Yes, and that's actually one of the reasons or one of the things that you would typically optimize for is you would pick a data structure that both can store all of the data you want to store, uh, but that's also optimized for whatever you're optimized for, uh, optimizing for, excuse me. For example, one of the one of the things you could optimize for is just the speed of data access. Yeah, yeah. And so a B tree is a particular type of tree structure. A B tree isn't necessarily a binary tree. It's kind of a generalization of a binary tree where it's not constrained to have just two leaves associated with each node. But I'm going to explain it sort of like it's a binary tree just because it makes for easier podcasting copy, if you like. Um, but the general idea of a binary tree is that you have this tree structure 
where each node in the tree has potentially two children. We usually say like the left branch and the right branch. And at each node there sits a number that if you go to the left at that node, then you'll end up with a number that's less than the number at, the no at that particular node. And if you go to the right, then you end up with a number that's more. And so you can take a sorted list of integers and you can represent it as this binary tree structure. And that binary tree is very fast to traverse at lookup time. Let's imagine that you have 10,000 numbers in your sorted list. They're not one after the other. They're not concurrent. So there's, uh, uh, yeah. you know, so it's you not can't just, just like one, two, three, four. It could be one, 18, 27, 28, 29, et cetera. Exactly. And so your question is, is 784 in this list? And so one of the fastest ways that you can answer that question is you go to the middle point of the list. And if the list is ordered, uh, you go to the middle point and let's say that the number at the middle point is 1,232. What's the next thing that you do? You say, is that higher? Is that lower? If it's higher, I want to look at, let's say the right side of the, the list from where I am. If it's lower, you want to look at the left side of the list. Exactly. So we're looking for, I forget what I said, 784, and that's mm, less than 1,232. We'll, yeah. We'll get some emails because we're going to get all these numbers wrong. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to be in the left side of the uh -huh. list. and then Now your list is half the size because you only have list, to search the left-hand side. That's right. And so now I have, uh, I can recursively apply the same kind of sorting heuristics. So I can go to the middle point of my left half of the list and I might see that that is 384, let's say, is at the middle point. And I know that the number now that I'm looking for it was what 784. And so I know that it's going to be higher than 384, mm -hmm. lower than 1,232. So I'm going to take, I took the left branch before. Now I'm going to take the right branch. I've split my list in half again. Right. So now I'm down, I'm down to a quarter of the original size of the list. And, and I can you keep, keep going and going. Exactly. Recursively splitting and checking and splitting and checking. And so if my number is, is in my list, the number of uh, slice and, and checks that I have to do, that's how many, that's basically how fast the lookup is going to be for me, is going to be uh, logarithmic with the size of the data structure. <laughs> Yeah, in computer science, we call that uh, big O notation, big O notation. And uh, so the big O of that would be log N, because that's the number of operations that you need to do in order, like worst case, to be able to find the thing that you're looking for. Uh, that's the, the, I guess, um, the order of magnitude-ish of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically how quickly your data structure becomes unwieldy to, to work with. And just to give a point of comparison, if you were not doing a binary search and you were doing just a, a, a manual search one after the other, then your worst case would be O of N because you literally have to check N number of items uh, in the worst case where N is the size of your list. Whereas yep. this, like, I, like uh, we were saying, is uh, log N. So that's significantly less. Yep. Uh, and so a B-tree is a generalization of this idea. I, what I described was an algorithm that could be encoded as a binary tree. That That's like the natural data structure that describes sort of the way, the, the search algorithm that I just described. Um, and a B-tree is just a generalization of that, where sometimes it can have two or three 
children uh, for each node is is not uncommon two to three, but I guess you could go have as many as you wanted. Uh, and then each child can, at the end, instead of having a single number, it will sometimes have a list. Instead of having the tree go all the way down to leaves that have only one number in them, you might cut it off and you say, you take it down with this logarithmic split and recursively search for two or three or four or five layers. And then once you start to get close to the bottom, there'll be just a list that has maybe up to five or 10 or a hundred numbers in it. So it's a little bit different than the algorithm that we described. And it's got a couple of adaptations in particular, the idea that at the end, you're looking not just for a single leaf, but you're looking for, a, it's usually called a page uh, in a bee tree. And that's sort of a bucket of a bunch of numbers that are still ordered, but then you have to do a linear search through them. And so this starts to get into how would you think about this as a machine learning algorithm? And so let's take that, what they call the paginated structure. Uh, so you have a position within the tree that you want to find fairly quickly. And then there's going to be some error on your guess of the position. That error is going to be equal to the page size. So it says that typically we can very quickly figure out which bucket we want to be in. Uh, but then once we're in that bucket, we don't really know whether the number is there or, or not anymore. Like the, the search becomes less precise because uh, we don't have this substructure inside of the bucket. It's just kind of all of a, in a mess together. And so there's some uncertainty at that point, how many numbers you're going to have to search through before you figure out if the number is there or not. And the analogy here is that this is kind of like a regression model. So you put in to your regression, your machine learning algorithm, here is the number that I'm looking for. And it's going to make a guess about where in the data structure that number will be found. And that's basically a, that's what a regression is. You put in one number and it gives you back another number that's somehow related to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in particular, it'll give you back, uh, a prediction about where you're going to find that number. And then there'll also be some uncertainty on what, where the number is. And that uncertainty is going to be equal to the page size in your B tree. And so basically what this means is that it's not crazy to, instead of writing a binary tree as a data structure, if you want to store an ordered list here, that if you had a regression model that's capable of taking in the value for one of these items that might be in the list and then giving back to you a prediction about where in the list it thinks that that number will be and some uncertainty on that, then that's basically what a B tree is. Uh, mm. and, and so that's where the, the analogy between a machine learning algorithm and a B tree, uh, where those start to merge together. Interesting. So rather than starting in the middle, figuring out if you're higher or lower, and then, you know, doing it again and doing it again, doing it again, uh, again, you instead train a model that rather than doing that process all the way down, it makes a more intelligent, maybe guess about where to start. Yeah, that's right. And in particular, if you have a really good regression model, if somehow your regression model does a really good job at capturing the overall distribution of the data, mm -hmm. then the lookup time for that regression model will be constant 
whereas the lookup time for a B tree proper will be something more like log of n. And oh, so that, that makes yeah. some sense to me. So I guess m- maybe I'll try and summarize in the way that works for my brain, and, and you can tell me if I got it or not. So like imagining a, a case, I guess, giving an example where your numbers are perfectly evenly distributed between zero and whatever the highest number is, a million, and you've got a thousand or uh, 10,000 records or 100,000 records. If that distribution is even and linear, then your, your um, neural net would be able to pretty quickly and easily be like, okay, it's, it's, it's linear. So if you're looking for a number that's 25% of the way between zero and the highest number, I'm going to put you at 25% of the way um, along this list, and it'll get it right uh, pretty much every single time. Yep. And then you kind of take that example and you generalize it and say, okay, well, maybe it's not linear, which is something that at least my my feeble human brain can understand really intuitively. And maybe it's a, a different distribution that maybe I don't understand, but a neural net can be trained to kind of understand, then it'll have a very high hit rate, um, just like it would with a, a linear and a simple algorithm. Yeah, that's right. That's that's really crazy. Like that that's really neat. <laughs> I know, it's it's really cool, right? There are a couple of things I want to point out here though if you're if you're scratching your head a little bit. So one of the things is that we're used to the paradigm in machine learning that we train on one set of data and then in order to understand how well our algorithm works, we want to test it on a set of data that we've held out from the training. Mm-hmm. Um But that's not necessarily the case if you're using a machine learning model as a data structure. Um, Mm, In other words, a data structure is only set up to allow you to retrieve items that are in the data structure, uh, which means that you don't expect it to generalize to new cases. Right. Um, It's just kind of like your training, you're asking it about what the training data was. And for certain machine learning algorithms, as we know, they're really, really good at memorizing training data and then potentially spitting it back to you really quickly, maybe quicker than the original algorithm or the original data structure rather. Hmm. So in other words, you normally, what you do is you train on some set of data and then you want this to be generalizable to other of your data or maybe other people's data, or maybe data that uh, represents something in the real physical world or something like that. But in this case, we don't even care about that aspect, even though that's kind of uh, integral to most uses of machine learning, we can just throw the, that away and say, we just want an algorithm that works really well with, let's say if we're at Netflix, works really well with um, customer uh, movie information or whatever the data that you're trying to retrieve is. Uh, yep, that's right. So now just to bring this full circle, like I said, this is a, we're speaking from a paper today that uh, I'm, if I'd didn't mention this before, uh, was written by some researchers at Google. And uh, we will, of course, have a link on lineardigressions.com. It's entitled The Case for Learned Index Structures. Um, And so one of the things that they do is proof of principle here is they actually implemented a B-tree in TensorFlow. And then they did some benchmarking against a B-tree implementation that was sort of like a little bit more vanilla, a little bit more uh, orthodox. Um, and it, t- it turns out that in this case, the B tree in TensorFlow was not faster than the <laughs> traditional B tree, at least not, not out of the gate. Um, and they said the reason why, and this 
this makes some sense to me, so I'll, I'll take their word for it, is that in this particular case, the last mile is hard. So getting through the binary tree structure might be fairly quickly, um, and you get in the neighborhood pretty fast, but then going through maybe the pagination, like really zeroing in, really finding where that entry is, uh, is pretty hard. And so there's still some costs that you pay for the, that the TensorFlow model just like isn't particularly fast with respect to that, I suppose. And there's a large part of the paper that I would encourage you if you're really interested in this to, to go check out on your own where they go into a deeper discussion of how they can build what they call a recursive model index, which is kind of like a model of models where each step in the modeling process is not making a prediction, but is telling you a model that you should go to next that's more of an expert in sort of that area of the decision tree or of the of the tree structure and it starts to get kind of complicated but that sounds pretty meta <laughs> yes it's like models that direct you to other models and then eventually you end up with a model that might know the right answer i guess wow which isn't crazy to me but anyway the point is when you use this recursive model index it does actually, they were able to get it to beat B-trees for a, a few different test data sets that they used. So there's some potential here that it might not be just an interesting idea, but in certain cases, it could actually be a, uh, a superior implementation of the data structure, which is really neat. It's really rare that you see something that's as established as binary trees, and you find something that beats it. That's really cool. That can beat it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, so that is all the time that we have this week to talk about B-trees, but this is not the only data structure that they tried in this paper. And so next week, we'll come back to the same topic and talk a little bit about bloom filters and hash maps. So we will see you back in a week. Thanks for listening. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.